Welcome back to another edition of Official Word Sports and Stevie D. It is that time of year. Ho, ho, ho. Waiting for the fat man to come. Man, I can't believe uh, the fat man's a couple days away. I'm telling you, another football season has just kind of flown by here, right? I mean, you think about it. Second to, week, second to last week of the season. And, uh, and we're turning over a new year. It, it's crazy to think how fast those three months go. You, you know you know what's crazy? We sit around all year, and we go through the college bowls, and we start doing our own preliminary scouting of, you know, who our draft picks are going to be. And then we turn our, our attention to free agency. And then we turn our attention to the draft. And then it's like, okay, now the draft is here. We got minicamp, and we got our OTAs. So you see the guys coming back wearing the helmets, and you start getting excited, but you're still so far away. Then you have mini camps, and then you have training camps, and like you said, then you then you have the start of the season, and it seems like that was just yesterday. Yeah, <laughs> it's like once we get to October, once we get to October, it it just accelerates, and it's like wow, we got we got two weeks left, or really one week left now. It's just crazy how fast it goes. I guess though, for some teams, the next week can't come soon enough, right? If you're the Arizona Cardinals or you're the Oakland Raiders, that week 17 can't come soon enough. Yeah, you wonder, you wonder how that last week's going to play out for those guys. I mean, do they get blown out because they really don't care? Well, then again, if if you're some of those coaches like a Steve Wilkes, a Vance Joseph, Dirk Cutter, you know these guys, you know, unlike Hugh Jackson, who was unceremoniously booted early in the season uh, for these guys, this could be their last, their last game their, as a head coach ever. Right. Do they for ever some, get that shot again? For some very good point, you know, in, in a league that does a whole lot of retreads, the days of the retreads may be over for a while with the influx of all the young coordinators, like a, like a Sean McVay guys like that. Um, and even potentially some of the college coaches, I'm curious to see if, if Lincoln Riley gets wooed away from Oklahoma and comes into the NFL. Well, it's a funny point about the uh, about the retreads. You, retreads only exist if you are successful at some point to get another job. I'm not talking about Super Bowl coach, but nowadays, I mean, how many retreads really get a, a second opportunity when they didn't they didn't succeed the first time around? Other than Hugh Great. Jackson. <laughs> you, we you. don't love you, Hugh. <laughs> no love here for you on this show. But well, Hugh's successor, uh, he's a retread, right? But he's an interim, right? What are we yeah, gonna do? You fired the coach. You had a, you know, somebody had to step up and, and steer the ship to the end of the season. It was either yeah, gonna be him or Haley. The season they're having, uh, he's all but assured to get that. You would think. I mean, they're playing hard for him. Yeah. And he's putting up the numbers. He's getting the wins. It, it's not going to be an over season. Fool's gold. Oh, no. No way. No way. No way. They they should be in the playoffs. We'll talk about them a little bit yeah. later. But they should be in the playoffs. But, yeah, the, you know, the season's coming to an end. And it, it's kind of sad. But in a, in a way, uh, it's kind of exciting because now we have gone through 17 weeks of seeing the deficiencies in, in our teams, right, and we know what we need. We've been telling them what we've needed, whether it be here on Official Word Sports or if it be on message boards or through Twitter or any type of social media. And if you listen, there's others that have been echoing some of those same sentiments. 
I know in Buffalo, you know, we need a top wide receiver. We need a couple of wide receivers, right? We have nobody out there that can catch the ball. I'm still debating whether or not the guy can throw the ball. He's got a rocket arm, you know, and I think if you surround him with the right cast of characters, yeah, I think Josh Allen could be successful, but I need some wide receivers over there. Well, Christmas is coming. Oh, it is. <laughs> it is. <laughs> and I, I have a list for the fat man. Yeah. Trust me, I have a list for the fat man. So, CBD, we were treated to some exciting football for Week 16. You had no other than the Steelers versus the Saints. I, you you want to talk about drama-filled. It went back and forth, right? The Saints jumped out early. All of a sudden, the Steelers make a charge. They come back. They have the lead midway through the fourth. And then just a series of just a little bit head scratchers, but, you know, things that keep you on the edge of your seat, it, though it may wind up being the undoing for Mike Tomlin. Well, I know what you're referring to, and, and for everybody, if you didn't see the game, uh, late in the fourth quarter with about, I think, 4.16 left in the game, thereabouts, Steelers were fourth and four. Hold on. I know. I was trying to build a drama there with 416 left in the game. It could have been 404 for all I know, but we'll just go with 416, right? You started out, well, with about, I think, 416. It was fourth and four, fourth and five from their 40, 45-yard line. Fourth and six. Fourth and six. And they decided to go for a fake punt. And they, they, they cut it to the, uh, the what, what's that position called? The up back? Yep. The up back. And a direct snap to him. And, and he tried to go up the middle. And, uh, you know, the, he tried to make one deke. One guy tried to push to help him get there. And he's about a yard, yard and a half short. The funny part is the guy thought he got the first down. I think that was the, the funniest thing about the whole play right there. He's going on like he's dropping the mic, and everybody's got to tell him, but dude, you're like a year and a half shy. But really, in, in, in the end there, with with that time left on the on the clock, I don't have a problem with him going for it. Because if you punt the ball back, and even if they get the ball, let's say, at the 20-yard line, for whatever reason, it's at the 20-yard line, you know Drew Brees is going to make a couple first downs. They're going to be right at the 50-yard line anyway. So all you're really doing is saving some time on the clock. That's the way I looked at it. When it went down, I didn't have a problem with it. I said, okay, four minutes to go, half a field. They score a touchdown. Okay, you're losing, but you're going to get the ball back. Because New Orleans doesn't typically take too long to score. So I didn't have a problem with it. They I, I, I don't disagree with you as far as being aggressive um, and, and going for it. I just don't know if that's the right call. When, when I look at the Steelers and I look at their weapons, an up back, who's a backup running back, is is not somebody who I want to put my season and potentially my coaching career in the hands of. I'd rather it go from Big Ben to Antonio Brown. So you're saying just line up four to five wide and go for it? Absolutely. Four to six. Absolutely. Hey, that, to me, to me, you you run Antonio Brown on a slant. More than likely, Ben can you know will hit him. Uh, even if it's a bad pass, Antonio Brown will catch it. If he doesn't catch it, there's a high probability that you could draw a penalty on an interference call. Oh, what do you mean they don't call penalties on defense? <laughs> so, so 
I, I'd rather take my chances there. Now, now, you look at the play, they got – it was fourth and six, and they got five of the six yards, right? So, good call. I just think the distance that you're asking the guy to go on a fake may be a little bit too extreme at that point in the game. Well, I'll give you that. I just – I like the call. I like the fake punt. I mean, you made valid arguments with Ben and all those weapons, and – Probably if you were going to go for it, that was probably the better call than a fake punt. I'm just glad he went for it. Maybe that's where uh, I'm, I'm okay with the play. He went for sure. it. Sure, sure. Uh, the play section, like you were saying, could have been better. But I, I like that he went for it because if he didn't get it, they score. They're going to get the ball back with some time. Left. You, you're cutting half the field out, right? So uh, let, let's face it, Drew Brees is one of those quarterbacks in the fourth quarter. You know he's going to put the drive together to get him there. So. But really, it was just a phenomenal game. And, and at the end, the Steelers kept the ball, and then Juju, you know, fumbles the football. And, um, you know, that's a that's a tough play right there for him. Uh, I mean, I tried. I was praying for every angle for him, his knee to hit the ground, but obviously it didn't hit the ground. But Think about it. Two, two costly fumbles in the fourth quarter because you had the Ridley fumble yeah. when they were in field goal range. And, and, and just like you said with Juju's play, when they were showing the replays, I'm looking to see if that knee is down and, you know, when that ball is out and the last angle that they showed on the broadcast, you can see where the ball is out before the knee was down. I was like, oh, right. And so, you know, it, it's it's kind of sad. It, it great game, though. It, it really was a great game. Uh, ben played out of his mind. You know, for the last few weeks, you know, we've been highly critical over the way that Roethlisberger has been playing a little carefree, and maybe it's because of the bruised ribs that, that he was suffering. Maybe he's feeling better. But uh, yeah, he, he had a phenomenal game, throwing over for over 400 yards. He did, but I'll tell you, A.B. is a special player. Did you see that catch? I know he didn't get that foot down. Oh, my Lord. That was just an unbelievable catch. But, you know, we briefly talked about, you know, what could happen if he threw the ball. The, the, the number of penalties that we have in, in the NFL is just ridiculous. All throughout this week and, and even in prior weeks, you know, we've commented on the number of penalties, and the penalties are always in the favor of the offense, right? No matter, you know, you, you'll have your occasional uh, holding on a running play for the offense, or you'll have your false start or illegal motion. You'll have those, and you can control those. Uh, but the ones where it's at the discretion of the referee are always in favor of the offense, right? Roughing the passer. Um, you, you get a face mask call when the guy is stiff-arming you, grabbing your face mask, and they never call that. Meanwhile, you go and your hand brushes against his face mask as you go down to his collar, and they call you for a face mask. And then, of course, pass interference. And pass interference was all over the place today. I mean, it, it cost the Jets a, a chance to beat the Packers. Yeah. And certainly yeah. There, there were multiple pass interference calls in the Steelers-Saints game. Think, th- think about think about that with the Jets there for a second, right? If the Jets ownership was on the fence about Todd Bowles coming back or not, you saying you wow, this, look maybe maybe the team's about to change the corner with the offense, right? And here we go, we're scoring points and, and, and Sam's looking good, and then all of a sudden you lose because of a couple of bad penalties. Could that cost him his job? Ultimately, cost the coach a job. Absolutely. You, you, you briefed on it with with Mike Tomlin a little bit. Maybe on, on the fake punt, but again, on the penalties. They lost that game. 
a couple of bad calls. I mean, that was that bad call there in the fourth quarter. It was fourth and three. Game was over. Game was over. I don't know what they were calling pass interference on in that play. I watched it over and over again. I, I really couldn't see it. It's not like it was a play downfield. I didn't see a hole. I didn't see a grab of a jersey that I can recall. I thought it was an awful call. And it was a delayed call. That makes it even worse. Because the quarterback, Drew Brees, is coming running out of the background. Flag, flag, flag. And then all of a sudden, the flag's being thrown. Oh, Drew Brees. Not happy. Well, Throw the flag. You know, and that's a, that's a valid point because there was a play in the Buffalo game where Buffalo had two receivers in the end zone. Josh Allen throws the ball. And one guy for the Patriots, I don't know who the, who the DB was, but he jumps up in the air and, and literally hip checks into the receiver as he's jumping for the ball. No call. Now, is that no call because the referees don't have respect for Buffalo? I mean, it was blatant. Right, the commentators all saw it. The referee that's in the box now—I don't know which one it was doing the game. They saw it. They said, "I don't know why that one wasn't called." But is it because the defender was a New England Patriot? Is it because in the Saints-Steelers game it was Drew Brees that's asking for it? In the Jets-Packers game, is it because Aaron Rodgers is the one that's asking for it? Are the you know are these referees swayed by? where the game is and who the players are that are, that are involved? Oh, I, I absolutely think so. And I think it's the sidelines that are going berserk on the sidelines to throw a flag, trying to influence a call. And I, and I definitely think there's part of that. I'm not saying every call, but I think there's a, a lot of times people are, they are definitely getting influenced by players or benches. Absolutely. It's disgusting, to be honest with you. I, I, we're taking this game out. I, I mean, I was watching it with my son the Jets and Packers game, we'll get a little bit more into that game, but when we're watching it, you feel like you're getting robbed, right? As a fan, you feel like you're getting robbed. Just, look, the Jets got hit with 16 penalties. Some of them, they earned it, right? Leonard Williams gets ejected for throwing a punch, right? He lost his cool, gets gets thrown out of the game at, around halftime. Um, deserved it. But to have a game really decided by these pass interference calls that are not pass interference calls, because you're influencing, you're robbing fans, you're robbing coaches, livelihoods. Look, play can get cut, right? Maybe the, the GM looks at the numbers at the end of the year. Man, he had a lot of PIs, man. He's not really doing a good job. Maybe that guy gets cut instead of keeping a job. So, but at any rate, the, the Jets-Packers game was a good game. Um, I'm glad they lost. I know it sounds funny, but it, it's a useless game for the Jets to win. And I was when I was talking to my son... You know, before the game, I said, yeah, I just, there's one thing I want out of this game. Because what, Dad? I want Sam to play well. That's what I care about right now. I don't care about the results, the wins, or loss. I want to see him play well in his development because that's what matters right now. I care about the wins and losses. I wanted the Jets to win that game. I know you did. For multiple reasons. One, up for the picks. Two, you want us to move further away from the number one pick. I know where you're going with that. Absolutely. I know. I know. But but Sam, the last three weeks, Sam Donald, he's played. You can really see that progression the last three weeks coming back from the injury. It's the game is starting to slow down a little bit, and he's played very well. I've been very pleased with him. Um, I think they just found a, a, another a pass rusher in this guy Anderson. Now the guys up in Buffalo don't like him. He's the guy that took out the kicker, um, Henry, Henry Anderson, number ninety six. Oh, that, that's cheap. 
Yeah, well, family. Yeah, uh, family show, family show. He's a, he, he's a scumbag. He needs to be out the league. Oh, come he's on. He's a punk. No, no, seriously, in, in all fairness, oh, I didn't know you were talking about this guy. Yeah. We're, we're talking about a defensive lineman, 300-plus oh, defensive lineman, going to go and just body slam a kicker. He hit him a, in his shoulder. A kicker who wasn't even Man looking. Up. Man up. Who wasn't even looking. You had Warren Sapp at least hit another offensive lineman when he had his dirty shot. You know, and he took all kinds of flack. This guy hits a kicker. Wait, you proud of yourself? Who hey, is this You're guy? on the football field. You got pads on. Man up. Who is this guy? Anyway, anyway, we're finding out that we do have some players. Um, that yeah, he'll be out the league in, in two years. Hater. Uh, but in all seriousness, I, I, like I said, I, I think the Jets have some players. And then with, with the salary cap coming next year, hopefully they'll get, they draft a good lineman and, and, and surround Sam with some good weapons and, and, and better offensive linemen. And so you can hopefully see how the Jets are going to start ascending now with a quarterback because I really like that kid. And better uh, defensive line. Well, our line is okay. It, it's Tremaine Johnson's got to go. Well, no, just <laughs> we paid all that money guy. to Tremaine Johnson. He doesn't do anything. Replace that one guy, Anderson, and you'll be okay. That guy's a stud. Stud. I think I'm going to start a campaign to try to get him out the league. Dude. Hey, it didn't work with Ndamukong Sue. It's not going to work with Henry Anderson. Nobody knows who Henry Anderson is yet. All the more reason for him to be out the league. <laughs> and then, how about the third game, right? You got Cincinnati and Cleveland. Oh. I the mean, Hugh Jackson Bowl, part two. I mean, think about it. I mean, who, Hugh Jackson's 0-2 with, with the Bengals against the Browns. I mean, this guy can't Wait, win. hold on. Has Hugh won a game since Marvin brought him back? Ooh. Ooh. I, I, think, I think they've won one yeah, game. Yeah, I think since they won one, yeah. I think you're right on that. I think it's. I think it has been one game. Oh, now I got to go check it out. Yeah, well, they, they they got a one game losing streak. So they they. Uh, God, when did when did Hugh get fired? Marvin picked him up. I think it was probably was about five weeks ago. All right, so one one loss, one win. Two, he probably he, pro- he probably three, was hired at the Saints game. Four, five. <laughs> oh, it's one game. They've only won one against yes. the Raiders. Against the Raiders. Yes. yes. <laughs> And think about that. It's another Hugh Bowl, too, right? Because he used to be the coach for the Raiders. Yeah. Oh, that that's hilarious. But, uh, yeah, no, I, look, Baker Mayfield. If it wasn't for Saquon Barkley, I mean, Baker for Rookie of the Year, he's he's been, and I wasn't a Baker guy, I have to admit. I was not a Baker guy. But, man, is he looking really good for the Cleveland Browns. Really good. And, and good for good for the Cleveland, good for the fans. Um, it's just to me, it's the million dollar question: is, is Greg Williams stay around? But you got Chubb. Chubb's been playing really good football. Uh, Baker, I love the. Uh, uh, I don't know how to pronounce the tight end's name, but uh, David Njoku. Njoku, he's a really good young talent to tight end. Out they, of Miami too. The U. Uh, see, I shouldn't have said anything. The U. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but. Uh, no, I, I like what Cleveland's bringing, and their defensive side of the ball is not, not bad either. They got some playmakers over there too. So yeah, I, I, I'm a fan of what was what was and what is going on in Cleveland. I, I actually give them credit for what they built. Um, you know, the, you just look at the players they brought in. Jarvis Landry is key. You know, he he was a big time acquisition for them. The reason. For that, you know, he, he's a good receiver, top top wide receiver in the league. But 
he also brings that that swagger. He brings that attitude. You know, something to change that whole locker room. I'm a big locker room guy. We talked about it last week, right? And, and so you bring him in the fold. You bring Baker Mayfield in, who just exudes confidence and cockiness. And, you know, sometimes the, the two will overlap, right? Um, and, and so you have that. That that helps to promote that winning. These are guys that want to win, and that helps promote that winning type attitude. You have Jabril Peppers in there, and you have Denzel Ward, which is funny. One is Michigan, the other one's Ohio State. But you have those two guys running around in the secondary there in Cleveland. Miles Garrett, right? So you you have playmakers all over the place, um, and, and I all they needed was proper leadership. That's all they needed. Um, if you if you look at their schedule, and their schedule really was not that difficult, and they should not have started out the way they did, thus the firing of Hugh. We go back and forth, right? And, and are we hating on Hugh? Kinda, right? No, there's it's no just, kinda about it. We are. It's it's just so easy, right? These are taking shots that are just these are these are buddies. These are layups. But if they had a different coach, even if Greg Williams was the coach, right? Proper leadership. You're looking at a team that would have been in the playoffs. They would have had an X next to their name after this week, because they they would not have lost those games early on that they should that they that they should not have lost. And, and it's it's kind of sad and disappointing. You know, those that have the glass half full will say, well, you know, it's good to look to see what we're going to have in 2019. Sure. But you know what? 2018 was there for you. It, it was right for the picking. Yeah, I, you know, I thought you had it on the money in the pre in your preseason picks. You had him at 10 and 6. I had him at 9 and 7 as a – I think you had him as a division winner. I had him as a wild card. Yep. And ten and six. If it wasn't for a kicker, they probably are ten and six. Yeah. And that kicker blow at least two games this year. Well, one was yeah, think, the tie. Think about this. They they lost to the Raiders. You you don't lose to the Raiders, right? And they lost forty five forty two. Now that's not all on the offense there, right? The Greg Williams has to take some ownership there. Um, they lost to the Buccaneers. Now they tied the Steelers, which they should have won that game. And they should have beat the Saints. The Saints that we're talking about now that have, I believe they wrapped up home field advantage in the NFC, they should have beat them week two. They lost that because of the kicker. Those are the, those are the, the tie in the loss right there. They should have beat the Raiders. They should have beat the Buccaneers. Again, another kicker <laughs> issue. <laughs> but those, those, those are the games that they should have won. Think about this, Steve. That's three wins that you get ahead. Plus the tie, you're 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 looking at an eleven and four team right now. Yeah. Oh my god. Think about that. An eleven and four team. That's crazy oh. to think the Cleveland Browns at eleven and four. And, and and look at where we would be talking about Cleveland if they're eleven and four. If these if these games, if their fate changes with these games, not only do they wrap up the NFC North, they would have beaten. The Steelers, which would have given them some street cred. They would have beaten the Saints, that would have given them some street cred. Now, all of a sudden, when you're talking about, you know, who's the team to beat, you're not talking about Kansas City or San Diego. You're talking about Kansas City, San Diego, and Cleveland. Right. 
I, I don't know. If that mural isn't down of King James already in Cleveland, it's coming down and Baker's going to have his face up on the side of that building. Let me tell you, I was just looking at Baker's numbers. Okay, Baker's thrown for 3,000 yards already in 12 games. 3,000 yards in 12 games. 21 touchdowns, 11 picks. Now, I know Saquon's got it locked up because he's had a special year as a rookie quarterback, a rookie running back. But Baker, who's missed games this year, what, three games? You're talking about a 4,000-yard passer, possibly, or almost 30 touchdowns? The way he's throwing the ball? Woo, man, that's a special rookie season right there. So I, you, you know, I could very easily see him getting cold a rookie of the year with Saquon. He's at 63.9% completion percentage. 639 With what you gave, a 2-to-1 touchdown-to-interception ratio, which is always the standard that they go by. But the, the, the key number is that he's only played in 12 games. Yeah. But And it's not like he's a dink and dunker. He slings that football all over the place, and he's at pretty much, I mean, he's 64% completion percentage. Yeah. I, that that's phenomenal, absolutely phenomenal. Oh, and when I add, I don't know if that those numbers have today's game. Okay. So he, I think he threw three today. He could be at twenty four. I think he may be at twenty four twelve, which would put him at the two to one that you're talking about. And he'll have thirty three hundred yards passing. I, incredible. I, you're right. It could be co MVP, but he, he's having a special year, and uh, good for him. Good for him. Good for good for the city of Cleveland too. They've they waited a long time for this. They they they've gone through it all from the franchise moving, being out of football for a couple of years, going through what nineteen years of being a doormat in the NFL. Having to deal with Belichick. Well, again, Belichick was having that franchise turning upward, and then they decided well, to move, and then he got fired. That that's true. Think of what could have been if they took Belichick to Baltimore. <laughs> think where Baltimore could have been. You think they're not kicking themselves in the butt? They could have had him. But anyway. <laughs> so, Stevie D, one of the things that we were talking about offline a little bit, and we, we talked about the penalties, but you just you, you had gone into, into the Jets and the Packer game, but we were talking about when, when you look at the – innovations of offense why aren't offensive coordinators really more focused on almost trying to draw the penalty and and play more of an aggressive up-tempo type offense here's where i'm going with this if you if you look at the average number of plays per game there's about 60 plays per game on offense right right and if you look at the average number of penalties there's anywhere from 10 to 12 penalties with the vast majority of those being uh, on the defense. So you're looking at seven or eight penalties on the defense. Some of them are offsides, but you're getting defensive holding, you're getting pass interference. Now, if I'm, a, if I'm an offensive coordinator, and maybe what I'm telling you or what I'm trying to explain here is something that the, the brain trust up in New England has already thought about because they've been in, in this type of format of, you know, moving away from the running game, except for what they did today, uh, and going to a more aerial assault. But if I take my team and I go five wide or go four wide, 
And I use the pass, strictly the pass. If I go three and out, no problem, right? But if I if I get a catch, then I'm matriculating the ball down the field. But more than likely, as I start to take shots down the field, I'm going to be drawing penalties. You look at the number of pass interference calls and, and defensive holding calls, as long as the ball is catchable, right? That's that's the key. You, you can't throw the ball 50 yards out, out of bounds, but as long as the ball is catchable, you're going to be able to pull defensive pass interference calls, defensive holding calls, and next thing you know, I'm being set up like these quarterbacks are being set up first and goal all over the place. And that's how they're getting these points. They're, they're not, you know, they're, they're getting – they're getting good yardage, right? And you're going to get good yardage, but as long as you're throwing the ball, you're you're forcing the issue. You're forcing the the officials to have to make the call. You're forcing the defensive backs to have to lay off so that they don't get called for the for the penalty. And more than likely, if you don't catch the ball because it was broken up on a good play, you know all you got to do is just look to the referee and say, put your hands up in the air and say. What do you mean there's no penalty? Right. And two seconds later, here comes a flag. Well, it, well, I got to give you credit, my man. I, I, I have to give you credit because as you were talking, I, I ran those numbers. And you said one out of every ten plays. Go, going into this week, it's one out of 10.97 plays. I mean, now, now that you, you, you said it, and then I back it up, it, it's astounding just to even think about that, first and foremost, that we can have a, 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 a flag every 11 plays. I agree with everything you just said. I mean, it's ridiculous how much I agree with what you just said. And it, and I tell you, it, it's it's. I was watching the Jet game, and I'm getting frustrated. I'm like, this is the new NFL, and it's awful. Right? You want to talk about you? You want to have more offense? Okay, we get it. We've seen it in different sports, right? In NBA, they don't play defense anymore, right? Hockey, they want more goals. I get it. It's more exciting. Baseball, they want more home runs. They want it all naturally. You know, back in the back in the nineties, they didn't care how they got it, but now they want to do it all natural. So we'll bring in the fences and we'll do it all natural. But with football, I don't I don't watch the game so I can watch the flags being flown, and that's what it's turning into. It's disgusting. It really is disgusting with the amount of yellow flags being all over the place, and they're so inconsistent. What's a hold? What's not a that's hold on a wide receiver? That that's exactly it. No, go ahead. I, no, I agree a hundred percent with yeah, you. It's crazy. I mean, just watching the game today, guys getting um, penalties within five yards when you're allowed to touch a receiver, and it's both sides. We saw a push off in the end zone, right? Was yes. there a push off in the end zone? Was that the Saints Steelers game? That was the Packer Jet game. Packer Jet game. Well, I, there was also I, I thought I saw one in, in the Steelers game, but yeah, the push off, and it's not called. Why isn't that called? Oh, that was the Michael Thomas touchdown. Yes, that's yeah, that's what I'm, that's what I thought it was where, when the guy kind of the goal yeah, 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 yeah. That's the play I was referring to, uh, of of the of the push off, and then you have the offenses running pick plays. That's what bothers me. They, I don't care if you touch it or not. You, it's a pick play. I mean, that's what it is. I saw it again today with these with these pick plays, and that's what you know propelled New England for all those runs with the with the pick plays. That's what they're known for the little slants with the pick play. So. It's really unfair to defenses today the way it's running. But back to the but, flags. But, but hold on. Let, let me just say, you, you brought up the pick play. I don't have a problem with the pick play. I do. I it's really, cheap. It's a cheap I, I, I don't. You, you, do a rub, you do a rub play. You do a rub route. You set picks in basketball. You, 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 I don't have a problem with it. it, it it's, 
incumbent upon the defense to anticipate it and to be able to switch, just like you do in basketball, right? When you're playing basketball, think about this. When you're playing basketball and the guy goes and sets a pick, and then he rolls off of that. What do you do? You switch. Now, sometimes when you switch, you're going to have the little point guard going up against the big center or the big power forward, right? So you're going to have that mismatch. But then you just you, somewhere along, either he's going to have to nut it up and he's going to have to play against, you know, the guy that's six feet or, or six inches taller than him. Or, you know, somewhere along the line, you rotate and you switch back or you play zone. Something you have to anticipate and recover. So I don't have a problem with the pick play. But to your point of inconsistency, right, you'll have a play where you will call a, a push-off or offensive interference, and then you have another play, and it's even more egregious than the time before, and you don't call it. Or you have a defensive back, and, and you, you say, as a defender, as long as you look back, I'm not going to call you for interference. I have seen countless times where guys are looking back, trying to make a play on the ball, and they still call interference. You have to be consistent. Each crew has to be consistent. Each week has to be consistent. Yeah. yeah. And it's not. And, it, and, it, and it, it's frustrating as a fan. Now imagine if I was going to the games like these fans are – putting their, their hard-earned money, and they have to go watch a flag fest, uh, it's a joke. And so if you, it's almost to the point where are you going to have to start saying, I want to review a penalty, right? Yeah. Because why is that play called a penalty and that one's not? It's crazy. And uh, it it's just it's taken away from the game, and, and that's what I, bothers me the most. Like I said, look, the Jets were 4-10 going into that game. Did I want them to lose? Yes, because I want, I want a top five pick. I'm not, I don't want to win against Green Bay. As long as my quarterback plays well, that's all I care about. That's what I really cared about. That's what I wanted to see in this game. And But well, to watch the game, I'm getting – because you know what's funny? You're watching the game, and you know this. You've probably been through this as well. You want your team to lose because you want the pick, but you're in the middle of the game like, I don't want to lose. I don't want to lose. Right? We're winning this football game. I want to win it. And then I'm like, no, 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 no. I, I want to lose. I want the draft pick because it really doesn't do me any good. So I, I, I'm like going back and forth in my head. But I'm saying at the end of the day, what's upsetting me more? I wasn't upset that you just lost the game. You know what took away? The referees. That's why I walked away from that game. A great yeah. football game that went to overtime, 80-something points scored. Aaron Rodgers played out of his mind today. We didn't even touch on that because that was all about Sam. Aaron Rodgers played a hell of a football game today. And we're talking about the referees at an end of a 44-38 game. Yeah. That's awful. That's awful. And you know what? You're, you, and you're talking about a two teams are out of the mix. There was calls today in the Pittsburgh game. Pittsburgh wins this football game today if it wasn't for that call. They win today's game. No doubt. No doubt. You know, you, you touched on something. And talking about the rookie quarterbacks, look at this class. I mean, we talked yeah. about Baker a little bit. You talked about Sam. Yep. Uh, you know, if, if we look at if we look at the class, you had Baker Mayfield that went one. You had Sam Darnold went two. Josh Allen went three. Yep. Right. So the, those are going to be your big names. Then you had Josh Rosen, and then you had Lamar uh, Lamar Jackson, who went was the last pick in the first round, or or towards the bottom. He yep. the Ravens traded back up to get him. And I have to I have to say. So far to date, except for Josh Rosen, 
all the quarterbacks have shown signs. Yep. Baker Mayfield, by far, has played the best out of all of them, right? And, and that's why he's the number one pick in, you know, potentially co-rookie of the year or rookie of the year. Sam Darnold started out a little rough, but he has kind of brought his game and turned his game up. I'm surprised not as much because he was a good quarterback at USC, and I, I was anticipating for him to be good in the NFL. But the biggest concern that I had with Darnold was his turnover. And he, he's cut those interceptions down. And he's playing much better, taking care of the ball, making good decisions, and, and, and slinging it all over the place. When I look at Josh Allen, Josh Allen, he got hurt, and he, he was all over the place. He, he was a mess. He, he was a complete mess. Um, hurtling players, high-stepping, diving, doing whatever. He comes back after his injury, and similar to Darnold, not this week against New England, but I think last week may have been his best performance as a rookie because he didn't run the ball against Detroit. He threw the ball, and he may not have put up the gaudy numbers, which he didn't. Uh, he, he was about 55% completion percentage. But he actually stood in the pocket and was reading the defense and looking at his different routes, right, and, and able to check it down and go through the progressions. So he's showing signs, and, and he even made a statement that the game is slowing down for him after he came back from injury. Josh Rosen, I, you just have to feel bad for him. I mean, he, he is in a complete dumpster fire out there in Arizona. I, I think – he was the best prepared quarterback coming into the NFL because he just seemed to have all the tools and had everything he needed, but he's just in the wrong situation. And it looks like uh, Steve Wilkes is going to be fired out there in Arizona. So who knows what's going to happen? You know, the new coach, you know, coming in may not even like him. As so, you know, his career is kind of in peril. Then you have Lamar Jackson. Man, <laughs> let me tell you, when when they when you talk about Lamar Jackson, a lot of teams shied away, and I was not a Lamar Jackson fan either, right? I, I like a mobile quarterback, but I was like, this guy's more of a running back than a quarterback. But when when you watch him play and, and the throws, he made two throws yesterday, the in, in crunch time that were just. Dimes. I mean, he just threw some dimes that were out there and just phenomenal. Um, he, he is showing to be a winner and be a leader. I just don't know, you know, that mobile style. He, what, what scares me about him is that he's skinny, doesn't have a lot of meat on the bones, and he, he's not playing against college guys. He's playing against grown men who their, their sole purpose is to put him down and to put him down hard. Especially, they know as a quarterback, the league will not let you hit him in the, when they're in the pocket. But as soon as he takes off, you're fair game, and they're coming. Yeah, I, I think Lamar has done a tremendous job. He's kind of changed the whole season for the Ravens. Save Harbaugh's job. I mean, let's face it. Yeah. Um, and I, I think as he grows, uh, I think his game will change where he'll be more of a pocket passer, roll out when he needs to to buy some time, and I think he's just going to be fine. I think Lamar has energized John Harbaugh. I think he's uh, energized him as a coach, 
and actually that's one of the the teams in the franchises you look to see next year and to see what this kid will do as the number one quarterback coming into training camp how does he handle the whole OTAs the training camp and then start the season so you know, this this football team with that defense and now you add a Lamar Lamar Jackson you know in year two they, they could be a special team next year they, they could and you, you know here, here's another thing you always talk about how to make a a rookie quarterback successful right you, you got to have wideouts but more than that you have to have a running game and you have to have a good defense and I think we're seeing that in Cleveland and we're seeing that in Baltimore and that's why those guys are successful. Now, uh, you know I'm always going to promote the Bills, except for what they did today. You know, coming into this week, the number two ranked defense. So Josh Allen had the defense behind him, um, but he just he just doesn't have any weapons. <laughs> he just doesn't have any weapons. And you know, you have Shady McCoy, you know, who was benched actually for the start of today's game, and people are still trying to figure out why he was benched. Um, but you know, he may not be with the team next year. And, you know, when we look over at Baltimore, Flacco's not going to be with the Ravens next year. And rumor has it, right? You always got to go by rumor. Rumor has it that he could be finding a home in the state of Florida, either with one of the three teams, including the Miami Dolphins with Ryan Tannehill. And Miami is just in, in – I, I can't even explain what, what Miami's doing. You, you had a team that had everything right there in front of them. They, they pull off the miraculous 50 lateral play at the end of the game the, that got Rob, Rob Gronkowski to do the face plant, and they score and win and beat New England. Now everything's right there for them. And then they lay a, an egg against Minnesota. And then they turn around and, and lose again when everything is still right there in front of them. And now they have little or no shot at the playoffs. I, I don't – I don't. again, we, we, t- we talk about coaches at the hot seat. We talk about coaches that have lost, right, that have – you know, whether it be Vance Joseph, Dirk Cutter, Todd Bowles, Sean McDermott, right, any of these coaches that we talk about that should be on the hot seat or on the hot seat. How is Adam Gase not on the hot seat – for allowing this to happen. Oh, I think he is. I think there's no question. I, Stephen Ross already addressed the question yesterday about it. And um, so I, I definitely think Adam, knowing where the Dolphins, they had their shot, I think they're a mess at quarterback with Ryan Tannehill. I, I, I think they're they're going to move on from him. I can definitely see Flacco possibly even in Jacksonville. Yes, Jacksonville's a mess. I still, I'm with you. I don't know how they lost to Jacksonville today. Um, that just reminds me, you know, they're pretenders, and that's what it really comes down to, right? All they the really good are. wins they had during the season don't mean anything because you couldn't beat the lonely Jacksonville Jaguars, which the Jaguars have plenty of talent. They just can't find a way to win because their coach, you know, put the, the jinx on them all year. <laughs> have they won a game since then? Yeah, they've won two since then. <laughs> So, you know, I, Mister, I'll go for two <laughs> with nine seconds left up, up thirty-one to nine. I mean, if that doesn't come around to bite you in the butt, but in seriousness, we could have what eight, nine openings this this off season. It's going to be a crazy head coaching off season. Yeah, there, there's no doubt. Um, you know, I guess 
when we come back, because we're going to be off uh, for the in between the Christmas New Year's break, but when we come back, the jobs will be open. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be fun to talk about. And which ones are which ones are the cream of the crop job? Like like the Jets, you got your franchise quarterback and a hundred million dollars. That's enticing for a lot of coaches to want to come coach there, right? They do have some young, talented players. Be interesting. Arizona? I don't know who wants to touch the Arizona job. Well, I I heard there's a young assistant for the Cincinnati Bengals that's looking at trying to get back into coaching, and he's looking at the Jets. Let me tell you something. If they did that move, (laughs) if, I'm telling you that right now. I'm going to have a big-ass bonfire at my house, and all my jet gear is going in there. I'm going to light it up. Oh, I'm going to light it up. Remember, you know the, you know the, the, the rules of the game when it comes to <laughs> fandom, right? We talk about it. If your team relocates, you have an opportunity to jump ship. Is that not? Is that not the case? This is my true. team left New York and went to freaking Jersey. I could have left. I stayed. That was a sign. I should have moved. I was nine, but I should have moved. I didn't know about the fan rules. That's why I say I I can still claim that I was nine, but I don't. I'm a long-suffering Jet fan. I will to my. I mean, everybody here in Kansas City is all over me. Oh, you got to become a Kansas City fan now. You've been here too long. But what? I says you would want me as a fan. You would want me as a traitor to somebody that I rooted for my whole life to come jump in. Yeah, we of course. No, you don't want a fake fan. You want a real fan. I'm a, I would never be a real fan for the Kansas City Chiefs. You live and die by it. You, it. you should come in Oakland Raider gear. What? Uh, that, that's what I'm going to get you for Christmas. I'm going to get you some Oakland Raider gear. Oakland Raider gear? Did you hear Jerry, uh, Jerry Reese declined to talk to the Raiders? The former GM oh, no. of the Giants? Did you hear that today? No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I guess they reached out to Jerry Reese. For folks who don't know, Jerry Reese uh, uh, was the GM for the Giants. Uh, he was the GM when they... From they, the first year they beat the Patriots in the Super Bowl in 07 or 08, whatever the year that was. Uh, and so they reached out to him and he declined. Nobody wants to work with John Gruden. I think John Gruden set it up perfectly. I'm going to be the coaching GM now because nobody's going to work with me. I'm just going to trade all my first-round talent. That's it. I got a 10-year, $100 million contract. I'm just going to trade everybody. Nobody's gonna, everybody's going to think I'm crazy. They're not going to want to work with me. He's made the, that, the perfect thing. That is too funny. That is too funny. Yeah. So. Well, Stevie D, it's yep. time for our quick hits. And, of course, uh, we talked about it last week. Our quick hits has a sponsorship now. And we are sponsored by Wanna Follow. Wanna Follow, the only social media consolidator on the planet. Imagine being able to follow anyone on one platform. Their patent pending technology keeps you updated on all of your favorites by bringing all their social media updates to you. WannaFollow.com also provides an efficient opportunity for you to follow and be followed. And so, Stevie D, our quick hit segment is going to be a little different this week. Ooh, I like it. Yes, yes indeed. Since we are in the holiday spirit, in the holiday time, drinking a little eggnog right here, a little sip sip, I am not going to uh, do any type of brand publicizing of the eggnog that I'm drinking or what's in the eggnog that I'm drinking. It's family uh, show, family show, good job. A- absolutely, absolutely. Um, but our 12, we're going to do our 12 days of Christmas for 2018, and part of that is 
things that we wished for for 2018 and things that we're still wishing that show up under the tree in 2018. So I'm going to kind of kick it off, if you don't mind. Go right ahead. And so one of the things that I was happy for in 2018, and I'm glad it's under my tree, and I hope that I find it uh, next year as well, was the Tiger Woods return. Big-time Tiger Woods fan here. And to be able to see Tiger go out there and compete, and compete at a high level, is so good to see. Um, I was able to see him at Valspar, and it is amazing what he does to the game of golf. Just completely transcends it. And, and you know, you know me a long time, right, Vince? I mean, we're, we're going on almost twenty years, and you know me. I've never been a golf guy. Never right. been a golf guy, but I tell you, and I never watched it on TV. Oh, growing up with my grandfather and my uncles and my dad, after the football game, they go turn on the golf or whatnot, or the baseball game over the summertime. I'm like, golf? How can you watch golf? Right? So I was never a big golf guy. But I tell you, when Tiger Woods plays, I want to watch. Right? Yep. And, and so, and granted, we're right around the same age, and maybe that had some allure to it when he's 16 playing in the PGA Tour, and I'm 16, and, and you know, I'm hanging out with my friends in a parking lot at night, right? Doing stuff we probably shouldn't be doing, but... You're at the putt-putt. Right, uh, yeah. I, I made the mini-putt at nine feet away, and this guy's doing it at 50 feet away, right? And But to your to your 12th day of Christmas there, Tiger means so much to the game of golf. And when he made his comeback this year, and he had, what, two, I, there was at least two tournaments that, man, we were really pulling for him. And that, that last one where he, he just missed it. Oh, man, I was pulling for him. And just think what it did to the game of golf. And that's and I'm with you. And I hope in 2019 he closes it out and he gets a major. He gets that monkey off his back. And, and and hopefully he can return back to that dominant golfer that I know he's getting up there in age. But I still think he can swing with these young kids. Yeah, absolutely. So, yes, Tiger is – I'm hoping on my list that the fat man brings me a major – for Tiger, uh, it, and I, I'm not trying to be too picky, so it doesn't have to be in Augusta. It, it doesn't have to be the players. It doesn't have to be the Open Championship. I just want a major, all right? Just somehow let Tiger get a major in 2019. All right. Well, here, here we go. So I, I here's mine. So I'm going to my gift here. Hold on. I went underneath the Christmas tree here. All right. Well, you got your gift already? Yeah, well, you know, I, I got to deal with the guy. Ah! Um, and so my one of my gifts that I just unwrapped here, I would like to see the Hall of Fame voting reformed. I think the Hall of Fame voting, I can only really speak towards baseball and, and football, but mainly baseball, I'd like to see it redone. I don't think the sports writers... They don't give it its justice that it needs, and and this year is no different than other years. Story out of out of uh, Massachusetts. Does it that doesn't it surprises me it, just because the Yankees and the Red Sox don't get along. I wouldn't think a writer would say I don't think Mariano Rivera deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. And oh by the way, I'm going on vacation to Switzerland, so I'm just leaving an empty ballot. Okay, whether you vote for the man or not vote for the man, to do an empty ballot is a disservice and a slap in the face to the Hall of Fame. And your voting should be revoked. 
So, yes, I have a lot of problems with the Hall of Fame. and We're going to do a Hall of Fame show down the road. But that's what I'd like to see. It'd be overhauled. And accountability, more than anything, accountability must be done. These folks have to be held accountable. And if they're not, they lose that vote and get somebody else in there that takes it seriously. You know, why, why don't they do something like we have um, in, in our political system? You know, why, why don't they put term limits on these sports writers? Or why don't they elect in the, you know, you're talking about reform. So maybe this is part of the reform. Why, why don't they have it where you're elected by your peers based on your past performance or performances, right, in order to keep that ability to vote? Yeah. Because, you know, leaving off Mariano Rivera, you said that earlier that this is a family show. So I, I, I'm just going to say leaving off Mariano Rivera, and if, if the people out there could see me, I'm just shaking my head. Well, look, it's not just Mariano Rivera. Look at King Griffey Jr. You're telling me he shouldn't have got a vote from everybody? King Griffey Jr. shouldn't have got a vote from everybody? Seriously, yeah. King Griffey Jr.? I mean, I love Mo, and, and, and he's near and dear to my heart. But King Griffey Jr., from day one he stepped on, on, on the field, you knew it. You knew this kid was different from everybody else that's ever played the game. I, I, I would still believe that. If, he, if his injuries didn't happen out in, in, in Cincinnati, those record butts would all be King Griffey Jr., Yep. He, he was an amazing offensive player, speed, defense. His defense was ridiculous in center field. His love for the game was infectious. Oh, everything about that kid was amazing. And so, yeah, I just think reform for the Hall of Fame, especially in baseball, something needs to be done. We talked about it a couple of shows ago when we were announcing the Hall of Fame with Harold Baines and Lee Smith getting in. Aaron Seeley. Get to vote for the Hall of Fame? Are you kidding me? Another, uh, how is that even possible, right? So, again, if you're a voter, you get ten votes, and you got to mix and match those votes. It's like we always say: the guys either Hall of Famers or not. And if I have to mix and match to get these guys in the Hall of Fame, that the, the system is flawed. So what? You have a you have a you have a, a year that fifteen guys go in. Rant over. Hall of Fame reform. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, next on my list is success for the University of Buffalo Athletics. And so I had part of it when UB shocked the world last year and the men's team shocked the world in the tournament and they defeated uh, the University of Arizona and future number one pick DeAndre Ayton. Uh, they also played the University of Kentucky to a close game in that, in that second round game. And then they started out the 2018-19 season on fire. I mean, on fire. They were undefeated. Uh, they got ranked up to number 14 in the nation. Unfortunately, they played well against Marquette, who was coming in ranked number 20. But UB ran against this kid that was just lights out. And I'm talking about in the second half, he was lights out. He ended up finishing with 45 points. Hey, you couldn't stop this kid. He, he scored consecutive points with like 20 points. Hey, the kid was just lighting it up anywhere on the court. So, okay, you, you take that out. You learn from it. But, then, you know, at some point, there's not too much you can learn from when somebody's having a hot night. As long as they don't get too down, uh, they, they are poised for uh, 
a, a just a phenomenal season. And so what I'm hoping for, and I'm breaking the fat man, and I'm asking him on my list is for another successful run uh, by the UB men's UB Bulls men's basketball team. Um, and hopefully a high ranking. Even if they don't win uh, the MAC title, they should definitely get an at-large bid. But I'm hoping for a nice run. You know, we've made it to uh, the round of 32. Sweet 16 is, is not out of the question. Elite 8 is a possibility. And who knows, if everything falls right, maybe they could cut down the nets at the end of the year. So uh, I'm not going to be too greedy. But uh, just a successful run for the UB men's basketball team. Well, actually, you got like a closet fan, so that, that's the team I'm going to be rooting for in, in the tournament. So you, you got me as a fan. Um, so on my next on my list that I'm hoping for is underneath the tree is I wish Major League Baseball would do something around their salary cap or lack thereof. I'm not a fan of the luxury tax. And I think a salary, a proper salary cap. And you know what? Between the NBA, NHL, and NFL, if you there's stuff that works in each one of those leagues that you can adapt within Major League Baseball that can help teams like the Yankees draft and bring up through the system and re-sign with a soft cap where you have that money to kind of re-sign your own players that you drafted and brought up. It makes teams like the NHL, teams that don't want to spend the money, like the Tampa Bay Rays at around $30 million. Force them to spend money. If you don't spend your money, you're out of the league. This is what it takes to operate a franchise. right? And then you have the maximum, which the NFL does. So I think if you incorporate a little bit of each, you can actually create a program that works. I'm not a fan of the luxury tax. I don't think the Yankees should have to give money to teams that can't draw. Same thing with the Red Sox or the Dodgers. So I, I really believe... That if we, we get the right salary cap in there, I think it works for everybody. And if you can't make the money, if you can't make the money, that's not my problem. But all teams, all leagues have have some sort of profit sharing. Um, the profit yeah. sharing in baseball, sure, I, I can give you that. But the profit sharing in baseball is ridiculous. It is. What the Yankees would have to pay a year. The Yankees were paying almost $44 million a year. Are you kidding me? It, well, and to your point, it creates enablers like the Tampa Bay Rays to, steal, to basically steal. buy short. And, yes, yeah, yeah, that's a bet. That's a great term to steal. Yeah. So that's that's mine. So, all right, I started in there, and of course, I'm I'm going to have to get to my big ones now. You know, those are my little boxes that that I'm asking under the tree. Now I start to get to my big boxes. And I'm going to start with my Buffalo Sabres. And we are having a great year. Uh, It's kind of funny. When you look at what the Sabres have done over the last few years, any success is a great year. But right now they're sitting in third place, and they're playing the top teams really well. And so it's really good to see the Sabres being competitive. I just hate the patronizing comments that come from uh, other fans and from uh, announcers and other people in the media saying, well, you know, you played hard tonight and you're so much better. No, they, they, are, a, they are a force. They have speed. 
they have the ability to score, at least with one line, they have the ability to score. Housley's got to work on secondary scoring from the other lines. But I'm asking for the fat man for a run in the Stanley Cup playoffs. And, you know, I, I'm putting it on my list that I want us to hoist the cup in 2019. So, yeah, my box is pretty big that I'm asking for. But at least give me a run. You know, I'm giving them options. Give me a run in the playoffs. But what I really want is I want to hoist that cup. So good luck to you. You know what gives us the legitimate shot is our goaltending. You have Hutton and Allmark in there, and Allmark just netted his second shutout. But these guys are playing great in net, and they were going to keep you in the game. If Hutton would just leave the puck alone, we would have beat the, the Capitals the other day. But, you know, <laughs> that's part of his game. But, yes, if you have good goaltending, you will make a run. And we have good, very good goaltending. You know, as I hop here on my, my number three on my list, um, I actually sent away for this. Um Back in March, April, uh, maybe May. So this one's actually come true, um, and so it's a little unfair. My this package came early. Um, was Hugh Jackson getting fired? You know, I. <laughs> and so. <laughs> I just want to know how you are getting your requests in before even the scheduled time to send it in. I'm following the rules. No, what are you talking about? I have all year. I was told as a kid, you have all year. Make up that list. Don't don't wait to the end of the year to give me that list. Ugh. They said when Santa can't deliver those toys. That's what they tell me. They said, you got to have it early so we know exactly, so we get on the list so it's not forgotten about. So, you know, that list was made early. Yeah, but see, you... Well, I can't help it. I, I haven't been so nice, so I have to kind of clean up my act in the later part of the year. Well, like I said, I had my list early. I listened to mom and dad, um, okay. and so, so, so I, 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 I like I like the request though. I yeah. like the request, and it came true. Um, and uh, so he was my number four. I, I don't think we need to beat up. I don't think we need to throw more more dirt on the man. Well. Hey, I, I'm going to send in an email as an addendum to my list. So this will probably be one of my extra ones later on. Not part of what we're doing on the show. Right. I'm just going to ask that Hugh gets a shot to interview for the Jets vacancy. Dude, this is not even funny. Oh, breaking news. Breaking news. Speaking because you're bringing up the Jets. Breaking news. The Jets have been doing a background check for the last four weeks on no other than the coach of the University of Michigan. Jim Harbaugh. That's always yeah, interesting. I'm sure Michigan will say, sure, no problem. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> can't beat Ohio State. you got to go. And then he's going to go to the Jets, and they're going to be like, you can't even beat our rival, the Buffalo Bills. You're fired. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I think you're you're on the clock now. All right. So we all know one of the requests that I'm going to have, but I'm going to go here and – I am asking for the New York Knicks to somehow come away with the number one pick so that they can draft Zion Williamson. That's all I'm asking for. Again, another big box, another big gift. This is what I want. Please somehow find a way to get Zion Williamson. He is a man-child and will be a force with the Knicks 
for his entire career. And he's already stated, after playing, Duke played a game in Madison Square Garden the other day, and he walked out of there saying, man, it would be nice to play here for 41 games. Okay, I'm done. That's all I needed to hear. Get it done. Dolan, find a way to get it done. If you got to freeze the envelope like we did for Patrick Ewing, then you freeze the envelope. Somehow you get it done so that Zion Williamson is wearing the blue and orange. Wow. And he, he's at Duke? We're, we're not going to talk about no, where he but, his formative years are taking place, but it's only for one year that he is there at Duke. He's at your rival? He plays that's at okay. your rival. That, that's okay. It's only for a year. It's only for a year. Yeah. He will not be brainwashed over that course of that year. He has yeah. said that he wants to come to New York. Obviously, he cares nothing about Duke. Huh. Interesting. Yes, huh. believe it. Duke. Believe it. All right. Well, mine was a gift that, again, I'm, I'm more of the untraditionalist, I guess, when it comes to this. this. I would say my, my next on my list was, I guess, something that I, I didn't get and definitely not going to get in the offseason, but... I, I wished for, and, and didn't happen, the Jets pulled that trade for Jacob DeGrom at the trade deadline. Yankees. Yeah, the Yankees. I, I that That is something I wish they would have done, no matter what it took to get that make that trade. Really? You're saying no matter? Yeah. No matter what? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, you have a lot of trade chips, and... Uh, we, they, the Yankees need that front line starter to go to go up top, and he was the guy to go get. And they didn't go get him, so that was my number. That's my number four on my list. All right. Well, my next one is for many would think that this would be my last one, but no. Uh, this one is in in a awfully big box. And it is for a come-to-Jesus to happen at one Bills drive. I need the Papoulas to have a come-to-Jesus with Brandon Bean, with Sean McDermott, and to really focus on the direction of this team. There have been some good signs of things that have happened with the team like the defense playing very well, but all that means is that Sean McDermott is a good defensive coordinator. That's all that means. When I look at the overall progress of this team, what was our staple and background and what kept us afloat was the fact that we had a running game. LaShawn McCoy was a 1,100, 1,200-yard running back. We had an offensive line that could open the holes. Now, granted, we lost Eric Wood and Richie Incognito, but we did not do anything to try to replace them or to try to fill those spots. We just said, oh, well, we can pick up this guy here and maybe he can do something. Then you trade Cordy Glenn. You you have completely dismantled an offensive line that made you sustainable and where you only needed to find bits and pieces. Now you have to find everything. You have been so enamored with bringing in former Carolina Panthers, like a Calvin Benjamin, a Mike Tolbert. These are guys that have provided no value to the team. So somewhere along the line, somebody has to talk to somebody, and I don't care who it is. And Kim and Terry, if you're listening, 
You can call me. I'll have that conversation for you if you need somebody to, to ask the tough questions. I will ask those tough questions. But somebody needs to get in there and either you shake something up by you let go one or both, or you hold them accountable for the actions they're doing. They talk about the process. The process, I think, is a joke. The process, I have stated from day one, is a way to make sure that you have a job the following year. So you can say we're following the process. But now the rubber needs to meet the road. You need to make smart decisions. You're going to have 80 plus million dollars to spend in free agency. And team and players are going to want to go to teams where they see that there is a sign of a future. And if you have all-star players, Pro Bowl players, that you're casting aside like a LaShawn McCoy, where you're not trying to help him get to his goal, and you're not helping the team get to its goal, you're not going to be able to spend that $80 million wisely. You're going to have to throw big money at players just to get them to come because they want the dollars. Not because not only they want the dollars, but the championships. So I'm asking for my under my tree that the Pagulas make a serious push at accountability to Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott. Wow. Good luck on that one. Yeah, right. <laughs> That's um, a mic dropper on that for you, though. <laughs> All right, so my next one, this is a, this is a pretty big box. I'm not going to lie. Hey, Steve, you do the next two. Why? I want the number one pick. You, you do the next two. All right. I want the breakup of the Patriots. <laughs> I want I want Belichick out. I want Brady retired, and the franchise to become what they once were—the laughing stock in the NFL. Is that too much to ask for? No, no. But like we still, like we talked about before, I'm glad you're asking for this because you started this nonsense. Yes. And for what uh, Vince is referring to is when the Jets' um, Mo Lewis decided to hit a shot on Drew Bledsoe and knock him out of the game that started no, the era. It, it started before that. You're talking about Parcells and all that? It started when Belichick left the Jets to take New England. Yeah, but we started it with, with Brady. You Drew started Bledsoe's by got a by bunch a, of weak ribs. You started by allowing him to go to New England. Not holding wow. him accountable. Let me tell you See something. that none of that none of that would have even happened. Think of the think of the dominoes that that transpired. I blame the Jets organization. No, I blame Parcells. He supposedly knows a guy in Jersey that can handle anything. <laughs> well, he didn't make that phone call. Who would have made that phone call? Maybe Belichick with his date. Parcells talks about I know guys. You know, who do you know? You don't know anybody. <laughs> We have the only coach in NFL history to be named our head coach twice and never coached one game. <laughs> so I wish my present under the tree in the big big box is the breakup of the Patriots in every which way. Because I'm tired of talking about them. Well, you, you, you may get your wish, sir. Right. You may get your wish. All right. So I, I get to go again? Yes. All right. Back to back. Back to back. Well, I'm wishing for a new head coach for the New York Jets. Uh, as you know, Vince, I've been a supporter of Todd Bowles for a long time, especially in the beginning part of the season. Everybody was calling for his job. Jet board, message boards are lighting up. Todd must go. 
and I didn't think it was fair for him at that point in time. But over the last nine or ten weeks, when I started analyzing his decisions, the lack of discipline that the team shows on the field with stupid penalties, not referees making bad calls, but stupid penalties, the lack of discipline, we just are not getting better under him. We can't hold a lead in the fourth quarter. And I just think at three straight seasons of at least 10 losses, a change has to be made. And I like Todd. I just, we have to go in a different direction. And that's what it comes down to. So that's, that's my number one. And I never wish a man to be out of a job. That's the sad part. I mean, I don't lie. It breaks my heart. But, you know, Todd was put in a bad situation. We talked about this when it happened, right? Uh, the Jets were rebuilding or were dysfunctional or whatever you want to call it when he got the job. He, he was in a bad situation. He was 10-6 and six his first year. And, and Exactly. In a bad situation, but he was able to excel. Last year, they predicted that you guys were going to go 0-16 or 1-15. Worst roster in NFL history, they said. And, and he was able to kind of find some magic, yep. if you will. Fitz magic. He was able to find some magic. And, and, you know, you guys came out with, what, five wins or yep. something like yep. that last year? Yep. This year, I think expectations were a little higher. But, you know, I, I can't speak to the discipline aspect. I can't speak to what's happening in the locker room. But sometimes when you have failure, the voice does not resonate the way that it should. And I think that's what's happening in the locker room. But I wish him all the best wherever he goes. I, I think he is a good coach. One, one thing I will tell you, Steve, I, when I was watching the game today, a lot of fans will talk on social media, sports talk shows, what have you, and they will say that they want that fiery head coach, that Bill Cowher type head coach, that John Gruden scowl, right? They, they think that that's what a head coach is, right? Some guy storming up and down the sidelines. And when I was looking at Bowles, Bowles was pissed. But his facial makeup, if you will, right, when he, you can see he was angry, but it almost looks like he's smiling to an extent, right? You don't see the vein popping out of the forehead, and you don't see all that, but you can tell he's just, like, muttering, like, probably just a, a tirade expletive. And I think that when people see that, they they assume that he's not upset, that he is not you know, as fiery as the coach they want him to be without really knowing the man. If if you think that an NFL coach, just because he's standing there and he's not fiery, he's not pissed off and saying a million F-bombs in his head, these coaches have been players. They've gone through the grind. They've gone through everything. That's how they got there. They are passionate. They just may not necessarily show it on the sideline. But when you get them in that locker room. Hold, hold on. Remember what we talked about with the broad stroke. Most coaches. Except for Rich Cotite. And Hugh Jackson. Oh, Hugh, yeah. Back to you. <laughs> Everything, all roads lead back to you when we're talking about getting people getting fired. It's unbelievable. Does he go down as the worst coaching winning percentage of all time? I mean, he's got to be up there. Or no, is it is your former guy, who's that guy that coached? Is it Linehan? Got one year with the, with the Lions, went 0-16? 
No, uh, was it Marinelli? Rod Marinelli, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but I don't count that. He only had one year. I mean, no. Hughes had three, three, three plus years in, as an NFL head coach. He's got to go down because Rich Kotite was bad with the Jets. Ooh. But Hugh Jackson somehow was able to go worse than Rich Kotite. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is hard to do. <laughs> so my wish is for a new head coach. Sorry, Todd. I wish you all the best. You're good, D.C., but it, it just hasn't worked out here. So, Steve, the reason why I asked you to go um, to go back-to-back, I actually had one on, on my list, and I made a call and asked him if I could change it. Wow. Yeah. yeah. You got the fat man? You got somebody to answer that phone? Well, I got a friend of a friend of a friend. Oh, you know a guy. All right. Well. Yes, yeah, I know a guy. I know a guy who knows a guy who knows a guy. Okay. Who knows if my guy that I know really knows a guy? But what last night, and this goes back to the Sabres again. Last night, um, and I actually wrote something on Official Word Sports about this. I'm not sure if anybody uh, read that or is aware of what, yeah, what yeah. was happening. Um, I'm watching the game. Sabres are playing the Anaheim Ducks. And, of course, the game is being called by Rick Jenneret, the legendary broadcaster for the Buffalo Sabres, and Rob Ray. Rob Ray does the on-ice color in between the benches and, you know, giving that insight that they do now in the NHL. And we're in the third period, early part of the third period, and listening to Jenneret, he just didn't sound the same. Now, granted, he's getting older and... You know, he's had some health issues, but he he did sound the same like he sounded earlier in the, in the in the game. And then all of a sudden, Rob Ray starts doing play by play. I'm thinking, is this a Christmas gift for Rob Ray? <laughs> did you make a bet that said, you know, in the third period we're going to give you five minutes or something? But listening to Rob Ray, he didn't sound. Like, he really knew what was going on. Like, he was just dropped in the middle of, hey, Rob, we need you to do play-by-play right now. And, you know, he, being a professional, Rob Ray did exactly, you know, what he was asked, and it, it did an admirable job. But listening to Ray call the game, you started to think, well, what happened to Jenneret? You know, where's Rick Jenneret? And then there was a commercial. There, there was uh, a timeout on the ice, and they went to commercial, and it seemed to be an extended timeout. And when they came back, Brian Duff, who does normally does the intermission show, uh, but has done some play-by-play, all of a sudden started doing play-by-play, and Rob Ray went back to his color position um, uh, on ice. And still wondering what's going on. And so, of course, where do you go for information? Went to Twitter. <laughs> I'm on Twitter. I'm like, What's going on? And everybody else is asking the same thing. What happened? What happened? What happened? Finally, somebody acknowledged that something did happen, but they did not release any of the reports of what happened. And it wasn't until after the game during the interviews that it was reported that uh, Rick Jenneret was taken from the arena on a stretcher uh, and went to the hospital. He was admitted to the hospital. Um, And then looking for more information, Jenneret said that uh, he actually had passed out 
and was unaware that he, you know, he was being taken to the hospital. So with all that being said, um, what the last thing that I am asking for from the fat man is for a speedy recovery for Rick Jenneret. He is a Buffalo icon. He is a legend. Um, he is well revered uh, from his peers, from the teams in the league, from the fans. What was so great to see was the outpouring of support uh, through social media for Rick Jenneret. Even from the Leaf fans, what one Leaf account said, even though we're hated rivals on the ice, you know, wishing Rick Jenneret all the best. Um, and, and so that, that's what I'm asking for, um, is that Rick has a speedy recovery and that he is, uh, has enough strength to be able to uh, come back to the booth and to be able to call games. And if the fat man does what he's supposed to do, then he'll be able to call a long Stanley Cup playoff stretch and potentially call a Stanley Cup winner this year for the Buffalo Sabres. Well, we definitely offer him a, a speedy recovery, um, and hopefully everything's okay. All the checks come back normal from the hospital, and he's back in the booth. So for, for Rick, uh, can you give us one of his favorite calls? Yeah, I'll do it. Let's see. What do we have here? And here we go. Ten seconds to go in OT, and broken up and taken away now, and scooped up the center ice, and chasing after it is Eichel, here's Eichel in over the line, going in on Glory Squad! No doubt, the the legendary Rick Jenneret. So he, he he's a special man. He's CBD. I have to tell you, you know, everybody has their favorite, especially when you grow up and you listen to somebody over and over and over. You know, as you know, as a kid. Um, but you know, growing up in Buffalo, being able to listen to Jenneret, he he is just a classic. And then as you get older and you have access to media from all over the globe, right? Uh, but really, talking about North America, um, you, you just see where he is recognized outside of the 716, right? He's recognized in Florida. He's recognized in, in California and in Pittsburgh and in New York. You know, so it, his reach is, is very wide. And, you know, there's a lot of love and support out there for Rick. So... Um, again, ho hope everything works out for you, speedy recovery. Get back in that booth, and, and when you do get there, the boys in blue and gold, you, you need to make sure that you're dedicating this season not only for yourselves, not only for the fans, but make sure you're doing it for Generette. Well said. So, Stevie D, that's going to wrap it up. And once again, uh, it's kind of awesome having, having a, a sponsor for a segment. Absolutely. <laughs> to be honest with you. So, um, you know, our sponsor, WannaFollow.com. And with WannaFollow, you stay up to date on all of your artists, social media updates on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and all of the rest in one place. WannaFollow's patent pending technology 
keeps you updated on all of your favorites by bringing all their social media updates to you. When you get a chance, go out to wannafollow.com, check out their platform. It's awesome. Official Word Sports has a profile up there, so we're able to connect all of our social media feeds right there in one place, and you'll be able to do the same for yourself. So, CBD, this is going to wrap up our Christmas edition. It's it, This has been a great year. This is our last show for the year. This has been a great year. We got started halfway through. Um, we've had some changes, some modifications, but we've grown. And what's exciting is that we're able to talk to the people out there, and they're able to talk to us. They're, they're telling us things that they like and things that they don't like. And, and so then we take it and we run with it. We've had some great interviews. We, we had an interview with Dwayne Walker, uh, a radio host, sports radio talk show host in Atlanta. Had Sean Barber, former NFL linebacker with the Washington Redskins and with the Kansas City Chiefs and Houston Texans. We had Carlin Hartman, assistant men's basketball coach for University of Oklahoma. So we, we've had some, some pretty big names and some key figures in sports. This has been an exciting year. Oh, it has. It has, and I can't wait to get going um, in the start of the new year and and see what other interviews that we can get lined up and kind of talk sports, and it's fun, fun. So we thank you, the fans, for uh, listening, and uh, and hopefully we'll continue to uh, put out good material for you. Absolutely, absolutely. Again, you can check us out at our website, officialwordsports.com. You can also check us out uh, at Twitter. Real OW Sports. We also have now uh, moved some of our podcast content to anchor.fm, and that link will be out on our website. We're still with SoundCloud, so we're all over the place. iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, you name it, we're out there. So you can't say that you can't find us. We're invading you. So for Vince, I'm Steve. We'll talk to you soon. Outside is frightful, but the fire is so delightful. Since we've no place to go, let it snow, let it snow, let it snow. It doesn't show signs of stopping, and I brought some corn for popping. Lights are turned down low. Let it snow, let it snow, let it snow.